desperately have revival. And um, we need revival. There's ever a time we need a revival of a lot of things. We need revival spiritually. We need revival in submission. We need revival in obedience. There's a lot of things we need revival in. And uh, we need to make sure that we're praying for revival. Because I believe that as we are uh, going to study this tonight, we're going to see that uh, revival comes only when we get serious about it. Uh, it's not going to happen just because we think it should happen. Uh, it, it costs us something. Look at somebody and say, it'll cost you something. Anything you get from God costs you something. It's going to cost you something. In Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor preferring one another. Not slowful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. There is a lot wrapped up in those few verses. But we want to talk about how to have revival by showing passion, by having passion, a passion for revival, a passion for others, a passion for the things that we read, because if we can't get rid of the evil around us and in our life, we'll never be able to have passion about serving the Lord. And so um, a lot of times we just go through the motions. But I believe that tonight we've come because we want to know more about His Word. How can I have revival? How can I have the favor of God upon my life? So we want to go to the Lord in prayer. This is lesson 31 of our study of our uh, starting points of revival, passion ministry. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence, and we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. And Lord, I pray that it goes beyond just me voicing the words off the pages of a book, but I pray that it goes into each of our hearts and lives and we leave this place with a passion to have revival, a passion to love one another, a passion to show what is written in your word, that it becomes an example of our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would bless us tonight as we study and we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. And you may be seated. In reaching out to others, God reaches out to us. How we treat others is basically how God is going to treat us. If we do not love others... How can we expect the love of God to be bestowed upon us? It's a good way to stay on fire when you know that it is determined, predetermined, that what you receive and what I receive is determined by how we treat others. How we treat others. You can treat others badly and you're going to reap. Everybody knows we reap what we sow, right? 
We reap what we sow, whether it's good things. If you sow good things, you reap good things. Very easy. If you sow bad things, bad things are going to happen. So I would like to just talk about this condition that affects the body of Christ, his people. We find that there is a condition affecting the members of Christ today. Often Christians are spiritual wanderings, wanderers going in circles without any real direction. A lot of times people think just because I repented, I'm good. Everything's fine. I'm now on my way to heaven. And so we spend our time wandering down here just like the children of Israel in the wilderness, wandering in circles, trying to find the promised land, trying to find the will of God, trying to find what the Lord wants us to do. How many's ever heard somebody say, well, I'm trying to find the will of God? And, and it's easy to find the will of God because it's His Word. His Word is His will. When you talk about the Testament, the Old Testament, it's the old will of God. And the New Testament is the new will. So we find that there is an um, understanding of what the will of God is. Sometimes people say, well, pray for me that I'll find the will of God. Is it for me to take this job or to move here or to change churches or to do something else? When really you find yourself wandering in circles trying to find the will of God when God is trying to talk to you the whole time. How many remembers that God did not leave them in the wilderness without a voice? He didn't leave them in the wilderness without a voice. He spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to the people all through the wilderness. So we find that frequently we are too controlled by circumstances and becoming prisoners of our own minds, our own situations, our own surroundings. When we do this, we shut others out of our world. When we begin to say, I'm looking for direction, then we begin to shut everybody else out. It doesn't matter what everybody else is looking for. It's what I'm looking for. It doesn't matter what everybody else is trying to find. I'm trying to find something. But what we have to do is prefer our brother above ourselves, preferring one another, honoring one another. When I read in verse number 9, and it says, let love be without dissimulation. We can't let our love be divided or uh, in a manner in which we have a preference. I'm going to like you, but I ain't going to like you. You know, we got to love everybody. And love everybody. It's, it's uh, something that God's Word has told us. Now, I know we're living in a world that a lot of people do a lot of things, and it's hard to love some people. But you still got to love them. You still have to love them. If you want to go to heaven, you can't let anything stand in your way of getting there. Which means that I've got to love those that don't love me. I've got to love those that treat me badly. I've got to love those that talk about me. I've got to love people. And guess what? You have to love people too. If you want to see a great move of God in your life, then love without dissimulation, without division. Abhor that which is evil. 
we got to learn how to hate evil. I know that we're living in a world today that embraces evil. Churches embrace evil. Oh, we do things and hear of things that people do and, and it's evil. And it's, oh, well, you know, I got this connection, that connection. And it don't really matter about what the Lord says or His Word says. We're just going to follow our own way of getting connected to evil because we want to do evil. We've got to learn how to abhor evil, shun evil, get rid of evil. Evil ought to make you, um, I want to say sick, but it ought to make you uh, in such a way you detest it. You don't want anything to do with it. When you see evil in the land today from the political realm to the religious realm, you ought to be willing to say, that's disgusting. That's terrible. That is not right. Because we have to get rid of evil because evil will overtake us if we do not constantly check evil at the door. Right? Now, we can talk and shout and praise the Lord and run the aisles and do all sorts of things while we're here. But if we go back out in the world and we get right back into the same evil or evil thinking or evil things, we're not, we haven't accomplished anything. We haven't accomplished a thing. So we have to learn how to abhor that which is evil. We've got to cleave, the Bible says. Cleave means you get a hold of and hold on to. Cleave to that which is good. Now the world we're living in is cleaving to the evil and abhorring the good, resisting the good. But we as the church, somebody say we are the church. We are the church. We're not, we're not just a, another country club. We're not just another group of people that gather on a Wednesday and Sunday. We're the church. And therefore, we have to show a lost and dying world how to live according to the Word of God. If you've been born again, you are the example to someone else. Understanding that, we find that when we look at the world we're living in, it seems as if they're cleaving to that which is evil. This world is evil. Immorality. Ungodliness. I mean, it, it's like we are supposed to, as the people of God, just accept ungodliness and say, well, we're going to accept it because we just, we just want to be kind to people. We want to be kind to people. I'm not going to embrace sin to be kind to someone. I'm not going to embrace evil to be kind to someone. We have got to learn how to live right. We've got to learn how to stand for the Word of God. You see, when Jesus began to teach His disciples, He took them and began to teach them how to love one another, how to love others, how to have compassion on others. He had compassion on the multitude, when they were hungry, he fed them. When they were thirsty, he gave them something to drink. When they were sick, he healed some of them. So he showed them, this is your example. This is what you should be doing. If we're going to have revival, we have to get back to the basics. Back to the basics. And if we don't get back to the basics in the Word of God, 
You know, we'll get so wrapped up in programs and we'll get so wrapped up in all sorts of other things, uh, buildings and, and all the things that we do, uh, internet-wise or otherwise, and we'll get so wrapped up in that that we will forget that we have a job to do. And that job is to go out and win people to Jesus. We have to learn how to shun the evil and cleave to that which is good. We have to be kindly affectioned one to another. We got to love one another. We can't have people sitting on this side that hates people on this side. You can't have people in the middle hating people in the back. You can't have this church hating another church. I know we're living in a time when it's, it's almost like you draw the battle lines. You draw the battle lines and you say, well, you know, our church is against this church and against that church and, and, and this pastor is against that pastor and these people's against that people. And you know what? That's the reason revival has not been poured out. That's the reason revival has not been poured out. But we have got to learn to be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. We have got to honor preferring one another. Honoring one another. Giving honor unto each other. Not slowful in business. Now you can look at this as being in your workplace or you can look at it as being in the church. But either way, we cannot be slowful in business. We got to do the business of the king. We can't be slowful in it. That means I have got to learn how to do something for the kingdom. The men met on, uh, I guess it was Monday, and uh, we met and, and we had a uh, great meeting talking about giving personal Bible studies. Find you somebody and give a Bible study to. Find somebody at work and give a Bible study to them. Find somebody that you live beside of and give them a Bible study. Find somebody that is a friend of yours and give them a Bible study. And if you can do that, then you are going to help them come out of the world and find Jesus as their Savior. It's to be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and we got to prefer one another and not be slowful that's lazy in business. Ain't nothing no worse than lazy Christians. Right? Ain't nothing no worse than a lazy prayer life. They ain't nothing no worse than lazy Bible readers. Oh, we're just too lazy. We, we can't put in the time. We, we don't have time. How many times do you ask people to do something? Well, when I get the time, well, you know what? We all got time. We all got time. And we've got to learn how to manage our time. Right? You've got to learn how to manage your time. If, if you got four hours in the day free, you got to learn how to manage that four hours. You may work 12 hours. You may work 10 hours. You may have four hours before you have to go to bed. You got to learn how to work that four hours, right? You got to learn how to mow your grass. 
paint your house, you know, fix a leaky roof. You got to learn how to do all that stuff. And you got to learn how to do it in that four-hour period. You got to learn how to manage time. Because if you don't learn how to manage time, what happens is you won't do anything because you have no time. Because if we spend four hours on Facebook, and, and you know, some people, some people text me all night long. I don't never answer them. You know why? Because my phone's laying off by itself. But because I don't log out of Facebook, it appears that I'm on Facebook all night long. Somebody will text, are you up? Pray for this, and about 12 o'clock next day, I get up, I look at, okay. We have got to learn how to manage time. You can't manage time if you're on Facebook all the time. You can't manage time on Facebook all the time. Uh, I, I would say that there's a lot of marriages that are falling apart because of Facebook. People come home to a dirty house. 